0: that you deserve a hand, I think. It's it great, I I watched it um, for the first time, actually, only yesterday. And uh, I wanted to watch it again and again because it's real people. That's what I love about it. It's, uh, it's you and me in a, in a real church connecting with God in the way that He's wired us and with all of our different struggles. And I love it too because it shows us as a church what we are becoming. It shows us, gives us a glimpse of where we're ultimately going. That's what those images tell me about, something about our our own potential. You know, we had a great year in 2012. It it started a little bit awkwardly, but as the year went on, I just felt this get more and more momentum and seriously, all praise goes to God. But uh, we're in a good place as a church. I just want to say that. Maybe you received, when you walked in, um, at the beginning of the year one of those um, wind sheets or number sheets that were, that were handed out that were a red sort of sheet and had all sorts of numbers on them that talked about some of the things that have gone well here. But, uh, in 2012, some of the things that happened was on this document, 90 kids are part of Kids' Blitz. Every week, last week, we had about 110 in Kids' Blitz. I think youth group, by the way, Tim was telling me, youth on Friday and I had over 100 uh, young people here gathering. 372 adults are now engaged regularly through the city. and. Um, you know that last year, 500 needs slash prayer requests were logged onto the city. See, that's what I love about the city. It's our, I guess just want talking about the city. It's basically our online system where, where each and every one of us can log a prayer request. This is what's going on in my life. This is a need I have. This week, we had people responding to needs from the floods out of the city and uh, for instance one small need that was met this week was John Marriott had a tree fall down John's an elderly man in our church and um, and that need was met by another person who saw a need on the city and sort of connected you know that's what the city does it enables us to get together I can't get up here every Sunday and say oh John Marriott's got a tree that's fallen down and something such, such needs to be moved out because there's a flood happening and he can pray for this person we can't do that but this system allows us really to care for each other and love each other. That's what the city's all about. A little five there for the city. 320 food campers um, through door were given out. 25 people went on missions trips overseas last year in our church. 50 new people joined our church last year. We've got 850 people currently on our church database saying we're part of a catalyst church. Uh, I love this one. 21st time decisions and I was sort of thinking about it. It felt to me like we had about two first time decisions at the beginning six months, and now 18 in the last six months. It was like God started to get that ball rolling. Uh, 12 people baptized. Um, we've got 19 staff that work so hard here at this church. And we employed, and this is not an Australian versus there's one other place in Australia that does it. But Cattle's employed two people to be a part of the RI network here in Australia to help um, spread RI teachers into schools. It's a world first. These are the sorts of things that our church is doing, getting a glimpse of us reaching our potential. But in 2013, that's, I guess, what I want to talk about is the fact that we want to reach our potential. We want to keep moving, right? That's, I think, a part of every single one of us. I see Russ Wright looking at me down the back there. Russ dedicates his life to expanding people's potential and there's something in every single one of us that wants to reach our potential and as a church we want to reach our potential we get glimpses of it but that's where we want to go. Think about um, Bernard Tomic he's uh, a guy, I love him, or hey put your hand up if you love Bernard Tomic which I won't say the (laughs) other one then put your hand up if you're neutral about Bernard Atomic? come on, that's that's better than the other one alright you know, Bernard Tonic is a guy who's a great tennis player. And um, in 2012, Banana Tonic didn't reach his potential as a nation. we sort of went, come on! Um, Pat Rafter actually said to him, you know, you're off the team because you're not reaching your potential. You're not going, you're not working hard enough. You're not um, seeing who you could be and, and grabbing a hold of that. And in 2013, What has he done? He's worked on things and he's starting to reach his potential. We sort of start to grab a hold of that. That's what we want to do as a church in 2013. We want to be, I guess, a bit like him. We want to, to, to see what God's got for us. But the trouble is, so often things get in our way when it comes to reaching potential. So often things stop us. I like to call them giants. It's not my idea you see it in scripture. Often a giant is the thing that stands in our way when it comes to our potential. And I thought, why don't you just have a chat to the person next to you for 20 seconds and just just name some of the things that you know get in the way of you reaching your potential in life. What are the things that have stopped you before? So go for it 20 seconds and then we'll come back here. I wonder what are some of the things out there. I, I won't, I won't get you to call them out. Maybe they're a little bit private. But look, I just about guarantee what they are. All of them are going to be giants of one sort. Distractions, for instance, um, fear, uh, insecurity, uh, fear of failure. All of these sorts of things. they are the things that stop us. Maybe laziness. If we're honest, um, you know, setting a goal and not, not sort of reaching it. All sorts of things get in our way of reaching our potential. But today, I just want to say that we have to understand that there's going to be giants in our life and we've got to push past those things with God's help if we want to reach our potential. I remember the first time uh, I had to speak in this church. I think I was probably about 21 years of age. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these experiences. But part of my I knew where I was supposed to go. and It was was to, to share something. I remember sitting in that front seat going, what am I doing? Anybody had that sort of experience before? Especially public speaking. What am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And this thought just kept revolving around my head, followed by another thought that just kept saying, run, 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 you know? But I knew and I sort of got up and wobbly knees sort of got up here and a squeaky voice said some sort of message I apologise if you were here that day I spoke on those up that day, I remember it well it was a great message actually look it up sometime um, but I wobbly knee got and I met my potential I sort of, well I started to and I had to scare a giant I remember here's another one, I'm going to disclose something here today, is that alright, you ready for this? I failed my driver's license test, not once, but twice, alright, and there's more, it was on an automatic license right <laughs> now, yep. I've got it off my chest, yes, I finally said it, that thing has been bothering me forever, I said it the first service I, I came out of the closet on the failed driver's license test, Somebody said don't use that terminology, so, but, you know, I failed my, my, my test, and um, so you know what I did? I went and got some lessons, because the guy actually said to me, really honestly said to me, um, mate, you're gonna have to get some lessons if you wanna come back. When I got some lessons, I went for my manual test, and my giant for driving was reverse parking. I don't know, maybe you're great at it, I'm not so good at it, and, um, and I remember, on my I did everything else fine. Reverse park fail. Reverse park fail. And back then it was an automatic fail if you did that. So we're driving back to the sound, I'm like, oh I'll fail, I messed it up. The guy says to me, I'll give you one chance, mate. We sort of pulled up next to this car. He said, reverse park, go for it. You know, and the pressure in that moment was on me. The joint, the reverse park joint was staring at me, you know? Go for it. And I can see in the mirror, you know, laughing at me. But I knew that was my moment, and I, I don't know, but grace of God, i grace crazy, God, sort of did that, did that pivot thing, and I got it right, you know? Give me a hand or something. It was a great moment in my life. I overcame the giant of the reverse path. And I remember thinking, I distinctly remember walking down my driveway that day thinking, what could go wrong in my life after this, you know? I've overcome everything that I will ever need to overcome. And why was that? Because a part of me sort of expanded. I did something. And that's what we love. We know it is in us. When we start to reach our potential, we celebrate. We love it. And you know what? I believe that for our church. It's not far or too dissimilar. For us as a church, we've got to be a bit like that. We've got to be on the edge of our seats like I was about to speak. And we can see that there's more out there than there's a giant to be defeated along the way. We've got to see that we can... Reverse park, but you, but well, there's a driver's license in our hand if we do it. And as a church, there's so much more that God's got for us. It's our potential. Now, in the Bible, the Bible talks about it like this: "It's your promised land." And I want to share out of um, Numbers thirteen. It says they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, and this is them reporting about the promised land that they have seen. Their potential. It says this, it says they reported to them the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. It was massive fruit, it was like grapes that two men had to carry. In other words, it was like, oh, look at this, this is where we're supposed to be going and they showed it to them and they were excited about it. And they said, we went to the land which you sent, and it sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. That's the land that we went into. It's an awesome land, it's an incredible land. And for them, it was their promised land. They weren't meant to stay where they were at. They were meant to move on. You know, in that day, you know, it was actually not too bad for them. They were getting food from heaven. Uh, things were okay. The shoes weren't wearing out. God was doing miracles for them. But God said, there's a better place. There's a potential that I want you to grab a hold of. Would you grab a hold of it? And I believe that's what it's like for us as a church. We've got to be those people and understand that there's a land of milk and honey. There's a land better for us as a church. God has a plan for this church. He wants to take us on. We've got a promised land. and I don't believe that it's, we're quite where we need to be, but I believe that time is coming. I don't believe it's small and insignificant, even for this church. But it's great. We might think of ourselves, oh, it's just Just little old lip-switch. It doesn't matter where we are on the face of the earth. We're the church. God's got a plan for us. And I believe he blesses us to be a blessing in this world. So what does that look like? You know what? It's not really hard. I've done about, this is my fourth vision Sunday, and I keep sort of looking at the scriptures going, God, is there a different vision that you have for the church? And I can't get past the simple heart of God for the church and it goes along these lines. It goes along the lines that God wants to restore the world to its rightful place. There's a great word uh, statement that I've used here before. It says, God's purpose for the church wasn't to meet his own needs, but to meet the needs of the world. Maybe I would just put in there, God's purpose for the church wasn't just to meet its own needs. Because it's okay, but we care for each other. The floods happened this week. Man, yeah, we're meeting needs for each other. We're caring for each other. John Marion's tree fell down. Neat Knee, knees, that's great. But that wasn't the whole heart of God's purpose for the church. Our potential is greater than that, our potential is stretched beyond that. That's what the church is all about. That's our promised land. The last thing, it always stands in my mind that Jesus stands. He's got that chance to say something. He doesn't say, Love God. Hey, last thing I want to say to you, all love God. He doesn't say that. I know He wants us to, but He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, give to the needy. I know He wants us to do that, but He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, forgive each other. I know He wants us to do that. He says, what? Go and make disciples. If I'm going to leave you with one thing, go and make disciples. Then you've got to do all those other things as part of that. But I want to burn this into your mind as a church has your potential. That's where you're going. That's what I've got for you. And in case you're wondering, is he just just making that stuff up? There's 400 scriptures and passages throughout the Bible where God talks about the church as having a purpose. Bigger than itself. Meant to touch the world. It was always God's intention for the church. Let's have a look at Isaiah 1, uh, verse 13. Really challenging scripture. These sort of scriptures challenge me. If we do vision Sunday for no other reason, it's for... For me and my role in leading our church, just to remind me what the church is for. 1.13, stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Now, when we read this, think just our church services, because this is sort of the the similarities that are here. Stop bringing me meaningless offerings. Stop, your incense is detestable to me. That would be sort of similar to our worship today. I'm sort of going to skip on and pick part of this scripture out. I cannot ban your evil assemblies. You're gathering together. They've become a burden to me. Verse 15: When you spread out your hands in prayer, I'm going to hide my eyes from you, even if you offer men prayers. I want, this listen. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the cases of the widow. In other words, make a difference in this world. Understand you've got a mandate, you're blessed to be a blessing grab a hold of that truth in your life and that's why our vision is to be a unique church provoking lasting change by sharing compassion and hope, that's what we do and I like to say that's how we've written our vision statement but man, you could write it in many different ways I believe every single church's vision statement all around the world should say something along those lines in lots of different ways that's the way that God has spoken it to us That's what the church is for. The church isn't meant to be a spiritual bomb shelter where we just hunger down. But as I keep refreshing what God means for us, it means to be out there. That's the heart of God. The heart of God is that we will seek and save the lost. It's the same heart that God has. And He says to us, seek and save the lost. And if that's not in your heart, it should be. You know, there's a season for repairing, restoring getting healed up, coming in, getting to know things. I get all of that. But for us as a church, if that's not your heart, you've got to say, God, expand my heart. Because that's your heart. That's the purpose of what the church is all about. Challenge me, God. I have to do that. And that's why I say I like, I start vision Sunday, I start working on this sort of message of where I'm going about three months ago. So for three months I've been starting to cultivate. I mean, that's right. That's right. That's right. It's out there. If I had said well, one ultimate purpose of the church is about out there. That's what God wants for us: is to reconcile this world to Him. Colossians 1, 19. It's a great scripture. It says that God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood. He did it by dying on a cross. This is how much Jesus believed in this vision. He died and shed his blood for it. That's what an unstoppable church is going to be all about. It's about out there. So, what does it look like for us in 2013? That's our role Spain. to save the world, God says. Just hope and save the world. What is that going to look like? We have so many areas that we could talk about when it comes to this, I'm just going to pick a few and challenge ourselves on some of these. Here's one we're going to continue. I said this in years gone past, but we'll continue to um, push the boundaries in our services. You know, I think we've got to continually remind ourselves if that's the truth, God, it's about out there stretching ourselves and what we do in here has to be something that's okay for outsiders to come in. And sometimes it's going to make us feel uncomfortable because we like things just a certain way. I'll be really honest with you. I've said it before. It was just about those that were already convinced that love God, that were following God. Church, would be so much simpler. We wouldn't need the AVs, probably. Probably the the lights, some of the the way we do things. We could just be a whole lot simpler. But our heart as a church is to say, come in and let's, let's present the gospel, which we don't change, in a way that can connect with you. So we're always pushing the boundaries in that. Now, here's what I think when we're challenging this. I don't think we're moving fast enough in this regard. And I put my hand up totally solely to blame for that. Because I happen to lead the church. But I think we're going to shake ourselves up a bit. So if you come in sometimes and think, why are they doing that? Why are they experimenting with that? Why are they pushing that thing or doing it differently? It's because we're trying. We're doing it. Whatever we can, church cannot be done the same as it's always been done. That's not what God has asked this church to do. So we have to shake that up a bit. And we're going to keep doing that in some of the ways of things like the Park the Park experiment that we've been doing. Last year we sponsored that fun run in our city. And that first year we did a pretty radical thing that we would do. We actually paid some money to sponsor it, we sort of got our foot in the door. And we said, can we put our banners up and be a part and we'll run the race? And they're like, it's strange you're a church, aren't you supposed to be a church? We had good conversations. They said, okay. We've, we've, actually, I heard it's really great And they asked about us, uh, local councillors. And uh, Cheryl sort of said, hey, they're okay. It's all right. They said, all right, we'll let you, we'll let you do it. Don't <laughs> tell Cheryl I said that. Um, and you know what happened this year? This is so cool. This year we're sponsoring the Park of the Park. But guess how much we're paying to sponsor the Park of the Park? Nothing, zero. We got chatting with them. I was so enthusiastic about the way we can value add to them, and we did have a bit of discussion about that. I said we, we can do this and that. I said well, we said, how about we pay nothing to sponsor your event? Have you ever heard of that before? We'll sponsor you for nothing. How about that? And they said absolutely because you guys add value to us. We'd love you to be a part of that. Do you know how excited that makes me? You know, that community would be saying, come be a part of what we do because you're great at what you do and you add value to us and we'll put your name up on the banner and you know, and it's a part of what we do. There's just a little snapshot. there are the sorts of things that we're trying to stretch our thinking in, part-to-part experiment. excites me. In a couple of weeks' time only, we have our Ordinary Heroes Celebration Day. And Dan and the team are, again, working with Cheryl Bromwich too. Um, they're sponsoring us to do a award service for our community. The just blessed people that do incredible things in our community, some from our own church, some from outside. She, she approached us as a church and said, you guys do that stuff so well. Could we do something together? And we said, absolutely. So we're doing that. And on the same day, we'll do it one service this year. we did it twice. Uh, sort of duplicate last year, one service. The second service, we're going with Clean Up Australia Day. So it's all about our community. And then we'll go out and, and pick up rubbish and just make a mark in our community. That's what we're here to do. It's not like we've got some crazy, radical idea. This is God's heart for the church is to be out there things like red letter days will continue to happen, Mother's Day, Father's Day and, and lots of other ones, Easter, Christmas we'll do them differently, some of you are here in this church today because we've done red letter days for the last couple <clears throat> of years I've spoken to you, I, I, I love hearing something, I spoke to them just the other week and so said I came to one of your Mother's Day things, and Easter We think missed again, we came to Christmas, but and we haven't missed a Sunday in the last five weeks because People, creative people, are doing those services, especially to invite to. The other thing we'll do is answer the right questions and challenge on this. You know, churches, have got to be really careful that you don't, we don't answer the wrong questions. So what are the right questions? The questions I think are being asked that I see, I think, like, how do I deal with my marriage that is breaking down? You know, how do I... I've been sexually abused in my past. What does Jesus have to say about that? I'm eternal in my family. We're fighting at the moment. How would I have this when they hate me? These are the questions that are being asked. What about homosexuality? Where does that fit? What would Jesus say about it? Great questions that we need to ask as a church to see what Jesus would say. That's what we want to focus on as a church. Beyond that, we want to throw out more... Fishing lines and scatterable seed. I was so challenged by the parable of the sower last year. I heard it. It's it's the parable of the sower. And in that parable, if you know it, the sower just throws out lots of seed. And you guys will know that the parable: some seed lands on great ground, some seed lands on bad ground, some seed lands on ordinary ground. But the sower doesn't mind. He just keeps throwing the seed out. That's his job. You know the seed is the word of God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't mess with that. That's the miracle-working seed. Our job is to throw out lots of it, and I'm challenged on this that we've got to just find ways to throw out lots of seed and to keep pushing ourselves. God, what do you want us to do? I, I, I was challenged on that, and then this Eskimo, who's the founding pastor of our church, this church, he sent an email through. He said, "You know what you've got to do is you've got to throw out all fishing lines," is the way he put it. Jesus said. I'll make you fishers of men. When he said that, he didn't sort of have a, like a giggle, you know. I said, I'll make you fishers of men, but ha-ha, they'll catch nothing. He, he meant it because he wants us to be fishers of men. He wants us to throw out fishing lines. And And if you ever watch good fishermen, they'll often throw out one or two or three, and they'll sort of, uh, they've got three times as much chance. Throw out more lines. And everything I say here today is not just about us the, the leadership, it's about you. Throw out those lines. Put out the opportunities. If the fish comes and goes, that's okay. If, if, if some fruit sort of catches it and it flips away at this season, that's all right. Your job is to throw it out and let the Holy Spirit do the work that only he can do. Now, I'm challenged by that as that months have gone on. And as I said, I have this file and I'm just gathering thoughts. What are you trying to say to me? And there's, there's been this little line in, our, in, in my Word file, and I don't even really know how it got there, but it says this, what face step are you taking this year? And it's on the screen now, and we did it in a small font deliberately because that's what it was like for me. And it just started bothering me. It was like it had have little eyes and something, you know, and it was looking back at me. And I'd be working, and, and I'd just see this little what face what are you taking this year? And it's a great question for you as well in two thousand and thirty, but for me, what face step as a church are we going to take? And I just got thinking about that, and the best I could come up with is I said to the different departments that we had, we had a meeting only a few weeks ago, I said, Guys, this church is not about numbers. It's God that saves, He does the work. <clears throat> but could you believe for a number this year in your area? So, go away and pray about it, think about it. How many conversions, how many people can we introduce to Jesus Christ this year? Let's stretch ourselves. I'm not too stressed about the number. What I want to see is that we have a faith step. So, they went away, they came back, kids blessed for like 15. But believe in the 15 children we saved, youth, full of faith, they said 30. I believe in the 30 salvations in youth, awesome. And um, young adults, I think I said ten, we believe for ten. Salvation's awesome, and it added up and up and up. Do you know even our admin department came up with a number? Do you know how many they said? So we're for two. That's what we believe for. Give them a hand, they're believing for two. That's amazing. Because we lock our admin people away, alright? They see nobody during the day. They have to work, they're the ones that work in the church. Watch out if you're a courier guy delivering something administrative to our church because um, they're looking for you this year. Yeah. Two! And we add up all the numbers and this is where we arrived as a church. We said we believe that this year, this is our faith that we believe it. it's in God's hands but we believe when you add them a like lot, 100 is what we got to. And I think it's, it's believable when you look at each department what they can do and they can do. 100 is what we can believe for. I'm not going to beat anybody up if we don't do that. That's in God's hands. But I love that we're stretching ourselves, that we're believing for something. Why? Because that's God's heart for the church. God wants to see this world saved. He, the scripture says he, he hopes that no man would perish. That's our heart for this church. And so you know what we did? Ron went away this weekend. He started working on um, how to make that book in a picture format and uh, he did an incredible job. So have a look at screens, what this would look like if we started to see more and more people coming into the church. I think we're gonna do the other one first. No, that, that's it, sorry, that's the right one. a look at the car park there. How cool is that? Look at that, cars, banged up. Is that cool? It is scary, but it's awesome. It's a helicopter view of what it can look like as we, we start to get that picture in your mind. Have a look at this one. This would be this is what church is going to be like in about two months' time. Have a look at that. Isn't that cool? We don't even have seats in this church. Beck, Beck's leading and worship there. She's not looking that excited, but they are. It's incredible, isn't it? Now leave that picture up on the screen for a second. Really hear what I'm saying. You know, these people that we see up here, every single one of them is somebody whose life is messed up and broken, that's coming to know Jesus. It's not just an idea, it's a great idea. You know, there's faith filled people, there's people that will begin to serve God selflessly, people that will begin to break through addictions in their life. That's who those people are. You know, it's not about just filling an auditorium. It's about real people. And I think God wants to challenge us to think bigger, to stretch our imagination, to begin to reach our potential. What else will we do in this regard? We're going to keep throwing out fishing lines. We're going to keep throwing seeds. One of the ways is through Alpha. Um, Darren Bennett has agreed to come on and just champion this. So there's another option. Here's the fishing line. Say your neighbours, people at work. Alpha is hugely successful around the world. Bear Grylls promotes it. It's got a lot of credibility. Basically, come to our church, we're doing this thing, that's called Alpha, uh, it's up to you. Fishing line, fishing line, see how it goes. Another thing is a discipleship training course, a guy called Steve Addison is going to come to our church in May or June, we're trying to work on a day. He's got this great idea that we should all go out and make disciples. It's really radical, it's from the Bible. And he's got some just simple tools that he can give people to be about that. See, every single one of us are a part of those things. We'll also continue to reach into the community. Now, God has designed this church to do that in a unique way. always scratching our heads. Not just the normal way, not what's expected of us, but reach into our community and do that. One way is a CAP debt centre. This is a hope and a dream this year. CAP stands for Christians Against Poverty. They're basically an international organisation. They're also here in Australia. And they help us as a church help people. You talk about releasing people that are oppressed and tied up, you talk to somebody that's way down in debt, maybe it's you, and you think about how helpful it would be to have somebody come alongside you and and begin to help you get out of that debt, have those cords broken that are tying you up. That's our dream for this year, reaching into our community. We're also, um, this year, employing one day, maybe more if we can squeeze the money right, a... A mission mobiliser. Now, that mission mobiliser happens to be my wife, Jessica Musselberg, who's going to do that role. So, you also get a very pretty mission mobiliser as well. You see, we're going for the value here of this church. Um, and, and her role will be going to mobilise people. I say it all the time. What gets me most excited is not the things we do formally, it's the things that happen organically because we together are the church. And and some of these things, there's all sorts of things already that's happening. Like one of them, for instance, just a little one, Mim and um, Names and Davies do a Tear group, which is about doing mission in the world. There's um, uh, R.I., I've already talked about that. Uh, Lindsay, who I've seen here some, this morning, is going to Yarrabah. Mish, uh, Abizadeh is doing many music. But there's lots of things, and Jess is, part of Jess's role is just breathing life into things and helping to spin those plates and equipping people, and what help can we be in your journey? That's what Mission Mobilise is all about. And on and on and on these things go that we have a dream for. We want to reach our potential. I can't even talk about lifting the value of prayer which we're starting to do, and um, the hundreds of thousands of dollars we want to raise for Mission, uh, helping organisations like Empire. We're doing a trip to Ethiopia. Um, We're going to have an offering which we'll launch in a few weeks ourselves which will be going towards the vision of this church. But along the way, we see this great vision. Maybe you've already done it here this morning. I see a vision. I see people coming to the church. It's car full, but already there'll be a giant that comes up against us. And I just want to address that because I think it's important. If we talk about our vision, let's talk about the fact that there's always going to be a giant along the way. When we read that scripture, it says, We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. But you see what's that next word there? But, hang on, it's great out there. We've got a great vision for the church, but But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And they go on and they say, basically, they're giants. I see great things, but there's going to be giants in the way. And I want to say this to you as you get vision for your own life as you begin to want to reach your potential, as you do that, your promised land is often just beyond the giants in your life. I'm going to say that again because I think it's an important statement. Your promised land, your potential, is often just beyond the giants in your life. I promise you that. It's just the way that it works. What is it that God wants you to do? I'll tell you something. There's going to be a giant standing in the way, staring you down, even this morning. Talking about great things, you probably start to see a giant there that's going to stop us doing that. That's okay. What I want us to do this morning is to understand that that's what happens. There's giants in our life. Moses was chosen by God, wasn't he? To to take the people out of Israel. But what was the giant for Moses? Somebody tell me. Public speaking. That was his as well. So he joins the ranks of all of us public speaking. He said, God, I, I, I love to do it, but I can't do public speaking. My giant is public speaking. and Very interestingly, says God's getting a burn against Moses. Now, it wasn't because he acknowledged the giant. It was because he ultimately said, God, you're not big enough to help me with that. And that ticks God off. I've said that before. Because God wants our faith and our trust to be in him. Peter, what, he wanted to walk on water, right? I love that story. But what was his giant? Well, I think there was a few things. First of all, he had to step out of the boat. there was a big face there. But then he started to see things coming against him. He started to see the wind and the waves. And I want to say this. As you begin to do the thing that God has asked you to do, as you walk on water, as you reach your potential, the invisible becomes visible, the principalities and powers of this world. Suddenly, you can see them—the the, the wind of the forces of the enemy. Honestly, that they start to come against you. You see them. I think God allows you to see them. You see the giants because God wants us to raise up faith. What does Jesus say to Peter who struggles in his faith? And by the way, it's okay to struggle with your faith to to, to mess it up a bit. He picks him up. He rescues him, which is what he does. He's a good God. It's, you have a little faith come on but, but Jesus I saw the wind and the and the waves of things coming against me yeah. Jesus was saying Should just keep looking at me those things will come against you as we as a church start to get excited about the things God's got for us we're going to see things come against us like, yeah, John, it's coming Jesus says, keep looking at me keep trusting me keep believing in me because I believe in you. And he says that to you here today. I want to challenge you with that here this morning. What is the giant in your life? What is it that God's speaking to you about? You know, as a church, though, we have giants. I'll be honest, for me, I, I have giants. I have to share vision and I think to myself, yeah, we, we do it differently. Why do people want to be a part of that vision? They leave. We had people leave last year because we played. Too many AVs. Too many AVs, we're leaving. Well, those AVs are a part of us connecting with our community, so that's okay. But what if, what if that happens? I had somebody last year come, and uh, it was a new person. And I'm uh, not going to worry that they didn't end up connecting with the church, but they and I was sort of expressing the heart of our church and who we are. And that, this person said to me, all right, listen here, just sell them to the church. Sell it to me. And I was going, sort of, what? what? What do you mean? He said, it oh, to me. What, tell me everything that you've got so oh, I can try and work it out. We're trying to find out what church we go to. And something in me just like, it just, that's so annoying me. Now I get what that person is saying and you know, I don't hold anything against them. But surely that's not the point of the church. That we work out, you know, what services have you got for me to and meet my needs? You know, if you feel that you're getting atrophy and you're tired and you're disillusioned. Maybe have a look at your own life. What giants are in your own life? And I'll say this, for us as a church, my worry is this giant, the giant of comfort. I think that's the, the Western church's main issue, the giant of comfort. You know, that, that that giant says, just stay where you are, it's okay, stay safe. I was reading last night the scripture to my kid, had a storybook, the Bible is a comic book, sort of Bible. And in this one, uh, it was the, the week where, Pete, where Paul gets sort of bound up and tied up and I think he gets whipped and goes to prison. And Kenny said to me, but God, issues was why would God do that? Would God still do that today? Would God still ask somebody to go through that today? It's a really excellent question. Challenging question. We don't face that in Australia. But our question is, well, "Will I go to the beach today, Or will I go to to church? Will I stretch myself to ask a neighbour over or will I just have the afternoon off? That's the the extent of our stretching. God didn't withhold from Paul and the early church some of the struggles and trials they had to go through. He was okay about the fact that they might have to give up some comfort. And so we have to be okay about that. And when we do that, we start to reach our potential. That's the beautiful thing about it. You know, when Jesus gets up close to the disciples We get a picture of this and he washes their feet. What does he do? He gets up there and he washes the feet and the dirt off their feet. He's basically removing, the picture of removing the sin and the, the muck of the world off them. You think about Jesus' hands when he did that. They got dirty, right? They got messed up. They, they would have been dirty. yourself. that's what happens when you get close to, to people that are messed up and broken. I was doing this message yesterday. One of you gave me a call and said, hey, I've got some friends and they're messed up and something's going on. And they said, listen, all I really can say to you is you are in the right place because God's got you there next to people washing them. And yet you're going to look a bit dirty at the end of it. it's going to feel a bit funny, but that's where you're meant to be. There's a great quote. I don't know if you can guys can put it up on the screen. He um, says this, the ship is safe in the harbour, but that's not what ships are made for. I love that quote. You know, it's like that for the church. The church is made to be out there, made to do incredible things. But can you imagine if we're like that ship and we left the ship in the harbour? If that's what we did, safe, the paint would come off, everything would be great. But that's not what we're meant to do. We die of spiritual Christian obesity if we stay there. I look at that next slide. We're meant to be this. We're meant to be out there in the waves. Saving people. That's the role of the church, not safe and sound. So we challenge ourselves. Personally and corporately, let's throw off comfort this year. Let's expand our thinking. And the most important thing maybe I can say to you today, you've got cards on your seat. Maybe you can pass one up to me, Jeff, so would be great. You've got these cards on your seat. As we end here this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question What is your promised land? What is your potential this year? And what would your giant be? We've got a little picture of Richard Latham on the back there being a giant for us. Good job that he did. You know, I want to say this the church is not just all these things that we can do corporately. Really, in many ways, the church begins when this service finishes. And you guys exit this building. Do you know that you are perfectly positioned, every single one of you? We don't have to pray for the missionaries in Ipswich, for people to go. We don't have to say, God, oh, where are they? You're it, wear it, together. Salesmen, you're it. School teachers, you're it. Electricians and builders and business people, you're it. Infiltrating our community with a different picture of, oh, I'm the church, I go out, I've got a job to do. God's asked me to do something. It's not to just get spiritually fat. It's to exercise the muscle that God has given me, to be a catalyst, to be a unique church, provoking That's What God has asked me to do where the church. Got really nothing to do with what we do in here. This is where we come back. We gather corporately, and it's such an important expression of who we are, but it's not that, that what church is. Church is us, where we're at in our community. So ask yourself, what would God want me to do this year? You know, we prayed for Kids Blitz teachers here last week, the ones that are up there right now doing an exceptional job, and so they should. sure we love them. But we could pull out all the school teachers and pray for them because they're the ones going into the world 40 hours a week working with people. We can pray for those electricians and, and um, accountants, what's their hearts, and the whole lot of them, you know? You know, maybe the most important thing you'll do this year is not if you're an accountant, balance books, if you're an electrician's, uh, electrician, fix a light bulb. Um, that's probably very common sense towards the electricians. I can't think of anything more technical. Put solar panels on the roof. You know, uh, if you're a school teacher and you teach a child to read, maybe the most important thing you can do this year is just you, know, you walk into a meeting and. Um, you sit down next to somebody, and then you know you've got an agenda and this person you just knows something about them, and in your way you share the love of Christ. And I really mean that doesn't mean you just put your arm around it. It might suddenly open your mouth. Like my friend that read me yesterday and said, Hey, and invite these people to church. Just share something of the love of Christ, share what He's done in you. That is the church. That is us doing mission. That is us with a vision. And if I can express anything to you, that's when we win. Because we all gather, we all understand that we've got a part to play. But when we do it, flip the car around, the giants will come. And I want you to ask yourself that question. I say you're a promised land. I don't really mean the biggest dream you've ever had. Just something God's asked you to do this year. Write that down. For Jess and I really is simply as We've got good relationships with our neighbors but... This year we want to just have them around for the meals and just get to know them better. It could be as simple as that. But our giant is maybe just business or distraction or maybe I don't know what to say. A bit fearful, rejection. Maybe a giant is, I want to go to Ethiopia this year. We're doing a trip. Maybe you're no, you're your promised land. Your giant would be flying. I'm scared of flying. But name it. That's what it is because my destiny, my potential probably I have to go straight through that giant and here's the thing, as you start to do that, as you walk up to the thing, God doesn't defeat the giant, you know, when it's 10 kilometres away and you see him small in the distance and ah, he's gone, great. I think God allows us to walk right up to it because he wants us to rise up faith in our own heart and our own spirit, you know, he wants us to look at that thing and say you know what, you're not bigger than my God that's what he's looking for us to do. And he wanted Moses to be able to walk out and face the things. He wanted the people of Israel. He allows these things to come because it grows us. It grows our potential. And here's the truth. If you fail, if you mess it up, that's all right. I think God loves that better than staying back where you were. I was with Mark Drager this week, and I talked about some bad experiences I had, and I loved it. Mark was looking at me and said, Paul, it grew you as a person. It's alright if, if something goes wrong but just allow God to speak to you what is that this year because this is where we win. I mean, we're going to do great things corporately and we'll tick some boxes Even here. When we understand that we're in the church and when we flip it around and say God, there's a giant in my life and I know I'll face some things some things are going to come up against me. I'm going to trust you. So Beth is going to sing now and that's a, a faithful song. It's a great song. I'd like to think that through. I think we've got pens. Maybe they will be handed out on this. If you need a pen, put your hand up. But um, write down something that God's got for you and then a giant something that would stop you. And then we'll put this in our wallet and we'll just believe that God will sort of speak to us as the year goes on. Thanks, Pete.